I feel myself and my teammates literally changing the world. That's like a very surreal feeling, but we like viscerally know it's happening. Me Too movement, time's up. We're not only inspiring women, soccer players around the world, we're just inspiring women in general in a nation. Welcome back to Men in Blazers American Legend series, episode four, presented by Budweiser. We finish the day before the United States take the field for the first time to defend their title. And I'm not saying that we've saved the best till the last, but this is Megan Rapino. I think at a very best, a very different conversation than the one we had live on stage at the Golden Blazer. Here we talk about the big issues, the highest of stakes that underlie the entire Women's World Cup. I'm going to keep this introduction quick so you can get to her. Rule in life, less Rog, more Megan. But listen to this and please share it, as well as the other interviews in this series with Alex Morgan, Crystal Dunn and the great Lindsay Horan. However the United States campaign ends with glory or heartbreak. To me, it's their journeys, the sacrifice, the grind, the challenges faced, the challenges overcome, the ones they've all experienced to get there. That's what's humanly remarkable. The true wonder of sport at the end of the day. The whole American Legend series can be found, both the podcasts and the viral videos, at meninblazers.com. It's been an honour for me and producer J-Dubs to make these. Now to Megan. It is a joy to sit here with a player who's an exclamation point in human form. She's also the muse for Sergio Aguero's haircut choices <laughs> from the Seattle Reign FC and your defending champion US women's national team head of a third World Cup this summer. Where does the time go? Oh, it's Megan Rapinoe. You made me blush, oh, all of this. Megan, I'm only reading what you wrote oh, for me. Geez. You grew up as a twin, the youngest of six, and what you've joked are the mean streets of Redding, California, home <laughs> to one of the largest working sundials in the world. You love nothing more than to play sports with the boys. Yeah, it's true. Take me there. Well, we grew up outside of Redding a little bit. There's not actually suburbs of Redding, but if there were, smaller town, smaller than even Redding. And we grew up right next to a church that had a baseball field, had a soccer field. It was heaven. It was 1v1 everything. It was wild. Were we you... never finished many of the 1v1 games, but... <laughs> were you super athletic from birth? Were you a naturally gifted athlete? I think so. I never really felt like that because Rachel was always so much more impressive than me until I was like 16. So I was just always kind of like, I guess I'm a decent athlete, but I think we were. Good enough to beat up on the boys. Definitely better than the boys, yeah. Pretty, pretty much better than all the boys. You didn't have us. to think about no, that. No, not at all. <laughs> you once recounted life was perfect until the first day of school, sixth grade. <laughs> what happened? The self-awareness kicked in. Yeah, gender. yeah. I'm sure like hormones and puberty were kicking in. It felt like everything changed. Fifth grade, I had it all figured out. We were going to do this at recess and play. Crush you know, the boys. Yeah, crush Let's the boys. It. Standard. And then I feel like everything changed in sixth grade. And I was like, what the? What happened? The, what am I supposed to do now? The boys only wanted to hang out with the boys. Yeah. Girls were meant to hang out on their own and you were left yeah. confused. Yeah. 
I was like, nobody's playing flag football anymore at recess? <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> what am I supposed to do now? Yeah, it was awkward. You were labeled a tomboy because yeah. you still wanted to play sports. You didn't want to worship mm. at the temple of the Backstreet Boys. Oh, but I want it that way. So oh, good. That just came to my head. Oh, so good. Even back then, though, you didn't want to be categorized. I didn't really know for myself what I wanted to be, but I definitely had a good sense of what I didn't want to be and what I didn't want to do. So then I was, if you can imagine, quite awkward. Yeah, and sports weird. was really such a dominant part of your identity. Yeah. Everywhere except on the playing field, I was awkward. But when I was there, that was like, oh, thank God, I can just relax. No stress at all on the sports field. It's where you felt you could really express yourself. Yeah, definitely. And from the very beginning, you expressed yourself in a way that was different to everyone around you. I mean, your style of play to this day, it's like an avant-garde jazz punk fusion. <laughs> you always try to make a part that no one else sees, to make a move no one else would even dare attempt, to take a risk, to conjure the unpredictable. Where did that come from? What are the roots of your style? Part of it comes from growing up and just playing one-on-one -on -one all the time versus Rachel. There was no rules or anything, and she was always better than me and stronger and faster, so I had to be creative. And then I was really lucky to have coaches that saw that and were like, tried to guide me in certain ways, but then also were like, that's the most special part about you, so do that, cultivate that. That part around you that you cannot teach. Yeah, I don't think you can teach it. I always say I'm unpredictable, not only to everyone else, but to myself as well. So if you don't know what's going to happen, and I definitely don't know what's going to happen, it's crapshoot. <laughs> <laughs> but then the defender definitely doesn't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Unpredictable, inimitable, yeah. nonconformist. Yeah, definitely nonconformist. I don't really know where it came from, to be honest. It's not like I grew up in some crazy hippie family. We were pretty normal, but I don't know. I think I was always encouraged to just be myself. and. This is what came out, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> so when did you become aware of your own athletic ability and know that your football style, it transcended just playing against your twin sister, it transcended just showing up the boys in Reading, that you had what it takes to mm -hmm. compete on the national stage? Halfway through high school. I think I was kind of a late bloomer in that sense. And even in my own family, I was never really the best, but I think midway through high school, it all clicked and I sort of came into my own. 2011, it changed everything. When you dropped a, a long-range Hail Mary of a pass right onto Abby Wombach's American forehead. Yeah, oh. that's just the wildest, the wildest play. When, I still have no words for it. When you watch it, though, at home, are you like, wow? Yeah. You are? <laughs> yeah. But how did they do that? Is yeah. that what it feels yeah. like? Yeah, I watch it as a fan, totally. <laughs> I feel like in the moment, I was there and doing it, but I was also just a sports fan. I'm an avid sports fan and historically love these big moments like Michael Jordan's shot or Steve Kerr's shot. And it was like one of those moments to me and I was like in it and watching it at the same time. It's still just totally bizarre. 112th minute, it empowered a come from behind win against Brazil in the World Cup quarterfinals. And it was a defining moment for American soccer, American mm. women's soccer and it totally changed your life. That moment established you, Megan Rapinoe, as a household name across yes. the nation. I have arrived. <laughs> it did feel a little bit like that. Yeah, I definitely felt like, oh, this is what it's like. This is nice, I like that. I think you need some of those like big moments. You need those fun moments or just those moments that sort of grab 
everyone's attention if you want to transcend and be more than you ever were. So that moment was insane, just in general for the landscape of soccer, but now people expect that all the time. Sometimes that was difficult, because I just kind of went from like playing and not really thinking that much about really just about the game. Like I felt like I had a very free-flowing style and just, just yeah, just kind of like let it happen. But with that, it doesn't happen all the time. So you're basically just an inconsistent player. That realization and mindset of I have to make this happen all the time. I have to consistently be that player for the team or be that creative force for the team kind of like sharpened me and focused me in that moment. I mean, that's what being on this team is, really. We play all these friendlies, but Ultimately, we win championships and you have to do that in the biggest moments. And then that's the most fun part is like set yourself up, prepare yourself to when you're in those moments, then you just get to entertain and then you just get to be yourself and it's incredible. Now on the brink of your third World Cup, first is your breakout, the second one you win. What happens in the third? Well, hopefully we win. <laughs> Definitely we win. It's crazy with women's football because I feel like every world championship, especially the World Cups, just spur this exponential growth. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I know it's going to be amazing and I know we have the potential and we're on this stage to completely break through the roof and into the stratosphere. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I'm on the rocket ship. I'm ready. Space Force. How does the experience, the grinding ultra marathon and cleats it as a World Cup campaign, how does it feel mm. different third time round? Everything is so much bigger, really from every angle. Bigger stadiums, more fans, more media attention, which is amazing because you take a step back and see the growth of the sport. I mean, you were 25 the first time round. You're mm. now yeah. slightly older. Tiny bit. 33 years of age. Yeah. How are you different? I'm exactly the same and a lot different at the same time. I'm way more consistent and a much better player than I was in any of those years and able to impact the game more. And I hope to keep playing after this, but obviously nothing is ever guaranteed and you don't know. Having a little bit more experience this time, like I have the capacity now, I feel like, to be laser focused, but also to sit back and enjoy and smile and just really take everything in. Like we have a ridiculous, life and we've been so fortunate to go all over the world and to be a part of growing the game and this is the fruits of it all. It's amazing. We get to play in a World Cup in France. Stadiums are going to be ridiculous. Teams are so good. The fans are going to be insane. Like, this is the best. You're also now a leader. <laughs> Dare you, you say. <laughs> but you lead in your own way. Yeah. You have a unique style of leadership. How would you describe it in your own words? I think I probably more so try to lead by example. I'm not super rah-rah, but I feel like I understand the game in a way that I can relate to players and help them. I think I also can give players a lot of confidence and instill that in them. Like when I believe in them, then hopefully they feel like they can rule the world and take on anything. I definitely do it with a lot of humility and self-deprecation and not taking myself too seriously. I'm not the Tim Tebow speech kind of leader, like 45 <laughs> minutes for the rest of your life. Like I feel like I would be laughing at works, myself man. while I would, like I couldn't take myself too seriously in that sense. But also when it comes time to be serious and be focused, I feel like I have that. 
You've got to do it with fun. I, you, I do it with fun. I mean, you yeah. have established yourself as a champion of equality, of equality of almost every kind, of gender equality, of racial equality, LGBTQ rights, each one a complicated set of its own issues, mm -hmm. all of them lightning rods in sports. You're the kind of person who doesn't shy away from lightning, Megan. No, not at all. My mom actually, she's like, why does this have to be you every time? Why do you <laughs> have to do it? Yeah, she does. And what do you <laughs> say? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why. I just, it's innate in me. For me, I just feel like it'd be selfish not to. Like, I feel comfortable in it. I have this incredible platform and it's the right thing to do. So insofar as I know something is the right thing to do and I know that I can help in a certain way and then I'm not helping, then I'm just an asshole, so. But there was another path you could have chosen and your mum didn't write this question yeah. for me <laughs> but you could have made a lot of endorsement money as an individual by publicly just being an athlete you could yeah. have just said i am megan rapino american darling i'm going to stick to that script mm -hmm. but you didn't no that's just not me i would argue that i probably wouldn't have made any more because i would be like some shell of a human and not myself. I wouldn't have the same excitement for life, effervescence for life, that I do being myself. So at the end of the day, it's like I sleep amazing, and that's all that matters to me. Oh, do you ever think, you know, it would have been so much easier in my life if I would have just stuck to the script. Never that thought, even when your mum calls you, you never have that thought. I actually never do because there's been so many other things that have opened up for me because of that and just the way that I've grown as a person and how I want to live my life and how I think the world should be. The world is going that way and... It is. Yeah, I never regret anything. I mean, I wouldn't do it if I was going to regret it. Oh, above all, you've been at the forefront of the fight for equality in women's sports. <laughs> Contrary to maybe what everyone thinks, we actually don't like being in these fights all the time and having to take the actions that we do. But with that said, we're willing to do anything and to take any action we need or to take any stance we need to fight for what we feel like we're worth and what we deserve and to push this game forward to leave the game in a better place it's like we know the impact that we can have as a team and just as individuals and so for us it's an absolute no-brainer and what provides some context for the women's game where we are where we've come from where you'd like it to go yeah. you've said you've lived an incredible growth in the women's game mm -hmm. can you describe that growth how, how has the game grown in some ways and not in others I've vividly remember leaving for World Cup 2011 we had like five or eight thousand people at Red Bull in our send-off game and coming back from that we've never played in front of that few of people ever again and then we were doing morning shows and we lost the World Cup World Cup 2015 happens and just every year you see this exponential growth in women's football and you see other countries as well you know Norway standing up to their federation women's champions league is so big or there's 60,000 at Atleti's stadium to watch a club game or the one in Mexico Astonishing. yeah it's amazing so you just see all of this happening and then in some ways you know our compensation or the league here the NWSL still has so far to go there's still a disconnect between domestic league and the national team. The national team, I always call it a traveling circus, and it's absolutely that. It's like this American roadshow. So we need to find a way to bridge that gap. Oh, it is a beautiful, 
circus. In oh, 2011, amazing. when you hit that pass to Abbey Wombat, which I've relived a million times in my dreams, it was played everywhere, every news show, every sports report. It was sports centre, on rotation, on steroids. It was just yeah. an emphatic moment in how women's sports were perceived. But it was also a fleeting one. Yeah, and that's the battle and the struggle all the time is to not have these sort of boom and bust cycles, but to more so go up. Okay, we can have a boom and then it doesn't go down in my plateau, but then it booms up. We're just trying to mitigate the down, basically. I mean, it's amazing. Um, it's 2015, 26 million people yeah. in the U.S. watch you win the World Cup final. Yeah. That's an enormous number. Yeah. It's bigger than NBA finals. It's yeah. bigger than the Game of Thrones finale, baby. <laughs> Is it really? Yes. Oh, I mean, people love by that. a huge extent. But what does it feel like to go from that World Cup circus to live out those sporting moments before the entire nation mm -hmm. and vast swaths of the enlightened globe are also watching and then move back to that club level, which still feels, as you said, lesser? It can be frustrating at times, but I think we understand that it's a growth process that needs to happen and you kind of have to build that foundation you have to build that fan base you have to grow that from a grassroots level we also realize that we you know the national team's been playing together essentially the same team the faces change in and out but it's the same team that people cheer for for decades so it can be frustrating and some of the standards and the workplace conditions are not the best but it's getting better every year and so just as other past generations had their own cross to bear this is kind of our cross to bear in 10 years it's going to be amazing and like we probably won't get the thanks that we deserve but sort of no past generations get the appropriate do but we know that we'll leave it in a better place and we'll be like old and being like you don't know how it was when <laughs> we built this for you and i can't wait for that yeah. megan rapino yeah, it'll be like in one of those movies where they do the prosthetic makeup at the end yeah. like brad pitt and benjamin button mm. but when i speak to the u.s women's team 1999ers they talk openly about mm. how they won the World Cup when Brandy Chastain hit that penalty <sighs> in that moment of sports bra, glory, howling at the moon, 90,000 plus in yeah. attendance, 40 million watching on television. They thought they'd finally reached the summit, mm -hmm. only to quickly realise they'd merely climbed a small mountain and that a huge kind of mountain range lay out before them still to conquer. Yeah. Why would they think anything else? It's like they just played in front of almost 100,000 people and they've won the World Cup in dramatic fashion. Why would they ever believe anything else? Sometimes that's like a smack in the face for us. And it's frustrating, but it's also growing and unfortunately far too slow and it takes too long sometimes, the arc of change, but... But it's also happens. so complicated. I mean, to some yeah. degree, don't we have to go back in time, Megan? like 13 going on 30 style, yeah. to your sixth grade classroom. Mm -hmm. Don't we have to go there and start creating change right there? Is yeah. it, isn't that the source of the river? It definitely is. I love the way that our owners in Seattle, they have four kids, one of which is a little boy, Henry, and like he grew up watching the Japanese national team. And to him, that was Naha Kawasumi and Himari Sawa, and those were like his favorite players. And he just grew up watching women. He watches the WNBA team in town and he goes to the Sounders and he watches our team. He's just like, I love Dempsey, but I also oh, love Naha. The sports so, fan of the future. Yeah, it's exactly it. We have to start letting kids just watch sports to watch sports. It doesn't have to be this or that or women are better than men or men are better than women. Just love them both. It's great. Because that's where it all begins. It's room for both. It begins at yeah. that level, the labeling, mm -hmm. the deeply etched assumption that women's sport is just fringe. Right. That's sort of like the culture of scarcity, like you have to have this over this or this over this. It's like, no, you can actually love 
all of it. It's an epic battle, so deep, so broad, so complex, so constant. Yeah. I mean, it's tooth and nail for you. Every day is a fight. Is that how it feels? Yeah, it, it does feel like that, unfortunately. To be a woman in ways, to be an athlete in ways, to be a female athlete in ways, is to be frustrated, is to be in the battle, is to have that constant tension. Tension isn't always bad. It strengthens you and it pushes things forward, but it'd be nice not to have it. It'd be nice to just like have, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of investment and the league, but until we have that, we'll have the tension. Is it exhausting? Training, dreaming, sacrificing, winning on the field, and having to fight a grinding, emotion-fraying, complex battle for equality off it? It's both exhausting and energizing at the same time. It's exhausting constantly being the one to bring things up or say things or constantly double-prove yourself, but then at the same time, I feel myself and my teammates literally changing the world. That's like a very surreal feeling, but we like viscerally know it's happening. Me Too movement, Time's Up, we're not only inspiring women soccer players around the world, we're just inspiring women in general in a nation and we're just changing the world right before our very eyes, it's insane. So it's both dispiriting yeah. and empowering. Yeah, that's a weird tension too, because you're like, I just, would love to not answer these questions all the time, but in the same sense, it's like, I have to and I want to and it needs to be done and it's inspiring personally to do that. I've read something beautiful that you've said. You once said people feel isolated and alone. They're worried about putting themselves out there, but for me, that isolation ended a long time ago. I have my people and they understand me. That's all I've wanted since I was the weirdo in sixth grade and I'd trade any number of World Cups for that. I feel like actually soccer is just this incredible vehicle to this way bigger purpose that I have personally. This way bigger vision of the world that I have and it allows me to say the things and do the things that I want and to empower people, empower myself and do it all with such a smile and just break the mold. I think there's such a binary view of women who buck the trend. It's either you just have to be like an angry feminist woman, whatever the stereotype of that is, or you don't say anything at all and you drift off. And it's like, no, that's not the only way that you can be. You can be anything you want. I'm doing it with a smile and having fun. And you can try to hate me, but I just don't think that you're going to succeed in that. Shut your eyes for me, Megan. Mm. What, what does it look like, your vision, when it's complete? A world totally reimagined where people aren't labeled or cut up into pieces, but they get to be their full selves. And then you put all of those full selves together, that sort of human collaboration, and we have this amazing world that is not possible when people are fragmented the way they are today. Oh, America. America. Cheers to that. How long is it going to take? Oof. So um, I'm in, I'm in. Probably going to take hundreds of years. <laughs> so pray for good medicine that can live that long. I think it's going to be part of the human existence forever, but little things are changing all the time. And I think we have to celebrate those and allow people that growth to change and evolve and become better. And if it does, in the short term, upset the apple cart. Yeah. If you don't win this World Cup, 
will it still be worth it? Yeah, definitely. Winning the World Cup will boost it for sure into a different level, but I think we're at a point now that the rocket is already taking off and we're already on it. It'll be disappointing, but it's not even close to like the most important thing in life. It's one of these things in life that affects all these other things, but like we're doing something so much bigger than that. To force change, sometimes you need to stand up without fear. Always to force change. You have to be bold and you have to be willing to take risk and to just put your skin in the game. Sometimes your skin is put in the game for you and you can't really choose that, but sometimes you have to be willing to just put it in there yourself. I mean, you've been booed. Yeah. And survived. Uh-huh. Ultimately, acting on what you believe in, that's the most important thing. Definitely. There definitely was a lot of boos, but there was a lot of cheers as well. I don't actually mind the booing, and I didn't at the time, because I think at least people were thinking about it and feeling something and hopefully looking inward and trying to figure out why they're booing for someone who's standing up for someone else when it's very clear we have a, an issue of police brutality and racial inequality in our country. It's like, if you want to boo me, that's okay. I just ask that you look inward as well. And ultimately for you, believing in yourself, that's the only thing that you can do. That's the only thing that you can do. And I'm comfortable with the decisions, the actions or things that I've said. And if everybody can get to a point where they're okay with that, I feel like we're living in a good place. And by everybody, we mean your mum, Megan. Denise. Denise, come on, get with it. This whole thing was for you, Denise. Cheers, Mammers. Megan Rapino, I revere you. I want to finish with a toast. It is a human delight to raise a bud with someone who attacks opposing defences and activist causes with equal levels of thought, passion and commitment to you, to your team, to your glory, courage. Oh, America. It doesn't get better than that. Oh, Megan Rapino. Or should I say, oh, Megan Rapino. Oh, Me what a human wonder. There'll be a ton of Pino video content from us this week. And you can find the whole American Legend series on meninblazers.com and across all of our platforms. Most importantly, if you like this series, tell a friend, rate, review, subscribe, win. And go, go USA. Courage.